king, an obsession. Journey into the world of Iskorda and travel along with the boy from that way as he embarks on a quest to return to the very depths of the nightmare that brought him through the white door. Join us once more as we step through the white door. Chapter 3 of Blood, Obsession and Eternal Life The History of the King and the Crown and the Madness Before the coming of Archibald Reakmar, Angfarin was but a quiet kingdom in the corner of Isgalda. Established by Angus Ferenius during the War of Dark Places, it had been a safe haven for those of good and in need. Resistance to the Lord of the Forbidden Craft, vile ruler of the Cephalos Empire, master of the forbidden art of hypnomancy, and chief enemy during the war, took root in Angfarin. The city's walls swelled with those who chose to stand and fight, though dormant it lay for many years. The king of Angfarin chose public neutrality while working against the Lord of the Forbidden Craft from the city's underbelly. Over the years, Angus Ferenius built himself a valiant and loyal army with an equal amount of powerful allies. Legends tell of brave and heroic champions trekking from mysterious realms to defend Angfarin from destructive grasps of the Cephalos Empire. It was when the Lord of the Forbidden Craft attacked a country on the southern borders of Angfarin called Lehendwa that Ferenius finally took action. Public action. Though Lehendwa was not allied with Angfarin, the country had always stood in the face of the darkness and had even offered to aid Angfarin during the earlier troll wars of Atwalter, a vicious struggle over nearby mountain caves during Angfarin's initial settlement. What resulted in Angfarin's open defense of Lehendwa became known as the Second War of Dark Places, and indeed, in all accounts, it surpassed the horrors of the First War, both in atrocities and participants. Furious was the lord of the forbidden craft that one should rise so defiantly against him, especially a kingdom he viewed as nothing more than a few lines on the map named after some worthless dainty hero of old. For several months the lord continued his assault on Lehendwa before turning his military attention solely towards Angfarin. Prepared as they were, the nation was unaware at the horrors at the call of the lord of the forbidden craft. Indeed, they soon came to see evils long forgotten. It is said that the earth heaved its darkest creations to the surface in those days, shortly before the invasion. Emptied were the deepest caves, the darkest holes, corners, and crevices, spewing forth the evils such places had cradled for so long. Broken were the gates of old, the ancient seals, which held back vile beasts, all of was answered to one, the ruler of Cephalos. Hellish creatures not seen since days long forgotten rose again from the cracks and crags, prepared to follow their master unto death and beyond. Cephalos was coming for Angfarin and everything it stood for. Evil had indeed come to the dwelling of the good. Now blind rage and inability to comprehend the true might, the hidden might, of Angfarin had caused the Lord of the Forbidden Craft to exhaust his resources in one epic push. Quickly his barracks were emptied as he had sent everything under his power into the war against Angfarin. 
Had not its king, Angus Ferenius, amassed himself an army during the shaky years of peace, his kingdom surely would have been lost. Even still, with an army at command, the hordes of Cephalos minions came like angry waves of a storm against the harbor, lapping at the edge of everything the king had worked so hard to build. Now Angus himself had realized that Angfarin simply could not match the Lord of the Forbidden Craft's physical power on the battlefield. Angfarin had some of the strongest defenses and strongholds in the land, but even these would eventually fall to the overwhelming masses of mindless monstrosities outside the walls, clawing and praying, rending and tearing. Leaving only a short note behind, the king slipped away towards Sephos, the tower in which the Lord of the Forbidden Craft ruled from. Angus was looking to confront the Lord of the Forbidden Craft and kill the evil at its source, at its strength, the control. The king knew that every step away from his homeland left his people teetering on the cusp of total destruction, but he could find no answers in his heart except to slay the evil at its roots. There came a day, roughly three years into the Second War of Dark Places, that the earth called back its demons. The shadows reclaimed its peace. As suddenly as they had spilled from secret crevices, the twisted followers and subjects of Cephalos returned to them. All manner of folk watched in astonishment as once more the world swallowed and hid its most vile creations. Though the grief and sorrow brought by these hideous monsters remained and linger above Angfarin to this very day. The people rejoiced, calling the name of their brave leader Angus in celebration, for they knew somewhere in the darkness he had slain the Lord of the Forbidden Craft. Now, the inhabitants of Angfarin and Lehendwa were set to rebuild and await the homecoming of their beloved savior. Never did, though, did Angus Ferenius return to Angfarin, or any other location for that matter. After many months of waiting, the citizens of Angfarin felt their hopes of Angus' triumphant return slipping away. Parties were sent forth in search of Angus, or any answer to his whereabouts, but nothing was recovered. Valiant were those who traveled deep into the now-ruined lands of Cephalos, searching for any sign of he who had saved them. These events went on for so long that Angus himself took on an almost folk hero persona, a physical symbol of the majesty and might of the nation of Angfarin. It is roughly seven years into these events that the stranger Archibald Reekmar first appears. The steward of Angfarin, who had taken reign after Frenish's departure, had grown quite ill by this time. Whether out of need of peace or to simply try once more to find their beloved king, he extended a challenge stating that any man to find and return Ferenius's crown would be crowned the next king of Angfarin. A wanderer named Archibald was such a man, and upon accepting this quest, both the steward and Archibald set Angfarin on a disastrous course that would altogether change everything on this continent of Isgalda. Within a few months, the steward was dead, and no one, including Archibald, had returned from the quest to retrieve the crown. It is said that most did not even return from venturing into Cephalos, for while it lay in defeat, its poisons flowed, and its chaotic menagerie of wildlife still ran free. Taking temporary control of Angfarin was the steward's son, Ictatius, who in him had no proper desire to rule, and thus was pleased when the royal courts advised him that a man had indeed finally recovered the lost crown of Angus Ferenius. The man who entered the royal chamber that day was none other than Archibald Reakmar, and indeed crown in hand. The tale varies at this point, but most scholars, including the Atbandu tree scholars, a small ring of trees that had devoted their lives to the study of man and all things within his realm, 
Well, all except one tree, Gilgardal, who had gone off to become an exquisite bookshelf in some far-off prestigious wizard's library. They all believed, Archibald told the court and Ictatius, that he found both Angus Ferenius and the Lord of the Forbidden Craft dead atop the towering, black, crumbling tower of Sephos. Archibald went on to explain that he discovered the crown then, which was in the hands of the Lord of the Forbidden Craft, and when removed, the Lord's body went to ash. Angus, by way of all manner of scavenger, had become scarcely more than ragged clothes, armor, and a skull, which he promptly presented to the court. So it came to pass that Archibald Reakmar, stranger to Angfern in their years of turmoil, stranger in all senses, became king. Many a year of peace did Angfern gain after the coronation of the now King Reakmar, which in itself surpassed the splendor of the crowning of Angus Ferenius in all manner. Markets buzzed and classrooms breathed life again. Everything seemed to return to a better state. Not just better, but new and improved altogether. At the time, scholars wrote that a new golden age was upon Angfern and its surrounding allies, and with it, a king of fantastic deeds to lead it. However, the Atbandu trees whispered that darkness had come to the crown and was on its way. Ever since Angfern had come to the aid and defense of Lehendwa, the Lehendwans themselves had built a great respect and loyalty towards Angfern. Loyal less in the way of a hound and more in the way of hardy, moral soldiers, true loyalty. The Lehendwans felt within themselves to stand by Angfern and let blossom what seemed like a new era of peace and good. Many a time did Lehendwan assist Angfern, such as the Isle Campaign where Archibald attacked the Perdia Isles after discovering that they were harboring a few escaped court members of the now dismantled Cephalos Empire. Lehendwa acted for the most part in those days without question, for they felt they owed it to Angfern for saving them from the dreaded Lord of the Forbidden Craft. Faithful did Lehendua remain to King Archibald, until the turning of Angfarin. Twenty-three years after Archibald came to power, an event known as the turning of Angfarin occurred. It is said that King Archibald openly declared war on Lehendua, stating that he had uncovered a dastardly Lehenduan plot to overthrow his power and the king. Truth is later discovered that King Archibald had stumbled across an ancient recipe for eternal life that called for the shattered blood of the wyvern as its central ingredient. Lehendra was the land of the half-wyverns, and in old times had been known as Behetra, cradle of the dragonkin. Unknown events flowing in the stream of lost time had left the people of the now Lehendra as something not entirely wyvern or human, but rather a motley mix of both. The Lehendwans themselves look moderately human, save large wings and scaled skin. So King Archibald of Angfern went to war against Lehendwa, the very nation that they had defended that began this whole mess, in an attempt to create an elixir of eternal life. No eyes have ever seen the recipe, but it is assumed by all scholars that the recipe called for a specific Lehendwan's blood, a particular family of descent of some great hero or some great dragon. Otherwise, Archibald could have used subterfuge and quite stealth to sneak away a few Lehendwans without deep consequence, reaction, or even acknowledgement. In the years to come, King Rayakmar decimated Lehendwa in his frantic search for the one who carried the special blood he needed. Just before Archibald toppled the last of the Lehendwan resistance at the capital of Caldern Aran, 
he is told the name of he who carries the blood, which is Panzerus Ehrenschild. King Reekmar has also been told that Panzerus has been secreted away to an oldly Hindwin wyvern temple in the country's western Garnersk Mountains. Thus it became to pass that after the fall of Lehindu, the king of Angfaren came to Lehindu's secret mountain temple. The story continues stating how upon visiting the Lehinduin temple, King Reekmar finds but a single guarding Lehinduin holding a large white door. Archibald discovers that Panzer's Ehrenschild had been hidden beyond the white door by the Lehinduins as a last move against the king. The lonely Hinduin tells Archibald that no man or creature could pass beyond the door that did not come from that way, and furthermore, carry with him the strand key, which unlocks the door. It is recorded by the scribes of Angfaren that the lonely Hinduin guarding the white door suffered an atrocious fate at the hands of the king himself. Within days of these events, Archibald moved the capital of Angfaren to the White Door Temple, renaming it Tolkarel. Angfaren had nearly doubled in size as it had taken claim to all of Lehindua's lands and the Perdia Isles. There, even now, the king searches for someone or some way to open the White Door to claim his prize. The king has grown more feverish and erratic in his attempts to open the door now that he has entered his graying seasons. The lines in his hair seem to push King Reekmar, reminding him of the consequences should he fail this task he set out to do so long ago. Now, his spies fill the lands of his Galda, desperately seeking anything that could bring him closer to prying open the white door, the only thing standing between him and that which would let him pass to the power of legend. Join us next time as we lift ourselves out of the pages of history and back to the boy from that wane. Chapter 4. Small Wonders in a House of Spice.